So the brand is not that you're going to not have challenge and trial and difficulty, but that you're going to and that you're going to be okay. Hey ladies, and welcome back to Herspective. So we missed a episode, but as you know, probably from like last year, we're kind of, you know, loosey-goosey a little bit more in the summer <laughs> with our episodes just because, well, honestly, life. Yeah, it's life. I mean, we are doing the best we can. <laughs> um, not that anybody's um, like harassing us or anything but um we just I know. always feel like we need to like <laughs> for all of you guys breaking yeah. down our doors <laughs> all of y'all but we just feel like we we want to like be transparent and tell our listeners like what's going on so yeah just nothing yeah. except life um really quick before we get into everything i just want to shout out to our show sponsor fungal friend if y'all been listening, you know that we can't say enough good things about microdosing with psilocybin. Um, it has been really beneficial to both of us and we want everybody to at least give it a try. So to do that, take our code HER20 at checkout for 20% off your first order at fungalfriend.com and join us on our shrooms journey shrooms as journey. we've been calling it. <laughs> A yes, code, very the code again <laughs> is her20 from fungalfriend.com. Awesome. And you guys won't regret that. No, you won't. And definitely do it. Um, but we <laughs> we have like, there's just like, I feel like there's so much going on that it's hard to like even kind of recap or, you know, find one thing that we wanted to chat about. I mean, I think we do yeah. have to quickly mention our girl Brit got married. Yes. Well, I just have to say before anyone wonders what's going on, I'm sick. Okay, sorry guys, (laughs) don't mind me. Don't mind me on this episode. I sound like absolute shit, but that's what is going on with me. But anyways, and it's not COVID. No, it's not COVID. Um, but it does sound terrible. But anyways, (laughs) and I also edited most of the hideousness out of this episode, so you're welcome for that. Um, back to Brit. She got married, and I did not even know she was getting married. I know. That they kept that pretty under wraps. Yeah. Okay. They, it was a full really, secret then. Yeah, which I'm really impressed by and also kind of like, yeah, good for you. It seemed like I – it seemed like an actual, like, real person wedding too. Like, normal – like, a normal wedding. Like, I feel like when celebs get married – like, take Courtney Kardashian for example, who just recently also got married and their wedding was like sponsored like by almost, Dolce. Yeah. <laughs> and it's almost ridiculous. Like nobody gets married like that. It's so well, extreme. unless you're a Kardashian, I feel but like exactly. they all get married like that. Like Kardashians, like, like, that is like silliness almost, you know, like nobody's wearing real stuff. And, you know, so anyways, I feel like Britney had like a real true to Britney form. Like, obviously it was a little, yeah, like she, I think she taste, did it like but... traditional, right? White dress. Yeah, traditional. Yeah, like I, I do, I did get a little confused just on her like fashion choice, yeah, but also same. it's Brit. But, she uh, makes true to Britney. <laughs> yeah, and, but I did kind of, and like, 
Okay, so I can like knock it, but at the same time, I'm also like, go girl, because she kind of seemed like she didn't do her hair or makeup. Exactly. In the pictures that we saw anyway. But uh, you could tell she was wearing extensions, which also sucks because, you know, (laughs) sorry, but that's the last thing you should see when someone's wearing extensions is the clip-ins. But anyways, um she we saw hers but that's what i mean it's like true to brit and but it was almost so refreshing to see a celeb have like a real normal wedding even if it was like still like something i wouldn't do (laughs) in her style choices like a choker and stuff but anyways i think it was nice to see yeah, and she had, like, real celeb friends there, too. Like, Drew Barrymore? Who knew? And they actually took, like, a video of that. What I loved the most was they took a video. Yeah, who knew for sure. But, well, actually, all the people in that, and we'll get to that in one sec, but I love that they posted that video of the girls singing, and it was horrendous. It was a stupid song, but it was, like, I, again, something that the Kardashians, I feel like, would never do, like, something so raw and, like, authentic to a wedding. Yeah, well, I mean, all the weddings we've been at, at some point in the night, we're all hanging off each other, belting out lyrics to some old Britney. song, probably <laughs> Britney, if it's not, or Madonna, or the Spice Girls. Like, I mean, it's yeah. it's just like one of the top 10, right? And Top 10 girly songs. <laughs> and yeah, it just, I, I really hope like it was like a great day for her and it was just like real because my one thought immediately was like, I hope there was a prenup. Which is and like, apparently there was she apparently she said there is an ironclad prenup and that girl is not letting any man again get near her money. Good. I'm actually very glad to hear that she kind of learned as much as I and is yeah, making sure she's protected. And and hopefully yeah. the Sam Sam guy isn't like a douche and he's just legit and loves her a for who guy. she is and it's a good guy. I really hope that's the case. But even if it if it's not, then at least she's got herself she's protected. protected. And that's really, yeah. a, she has worked her ass off her whole life. The girl deserves some peace and her own money. Yeah. And, and it's, she did make another crazy post yesterday though. Like I, I, again, I feel so like torn from like knocking it, but also being like, okay, what the fuck? But anyway, she, you know, she rambles in her post and it basically was a big, fuck you to her brother it actually was an actual fuck you to her brother that's what she actually said actually don't um, even didn't even know she had a brother so brian and he so he went on a i feel like this was a long time ago maybe he did it again and and that's why this she mentioned it again um but she she went on like a podcast or an interview and said he was talking shit about her publicly anyways I, I think basically agreeing with her dad. Maybe he did another one, but her response was essentially to him in a public interview talking about her. Wow. And she was like, fuck off. That's all bullshit. Yeah. And I, I guess like that's the other side of it, right? She as much as she seems like she's moved on and she got to have a wedding to the man that she loves and like with her real friends there. And like you said, have a, like a real regular traditional style wedding as far as like her regular can be as still being a huge well it's at her house too yeah but you know she's still dealing with all the family stuff the people that are still going to try and capitalize indirectly also right like her sister writing that book at the exact same time of like everything was happening like you're trying to tell me that a publicist wasn't like jamie lynn this is the time jump in both feet write the book release the book do all the interviews like this is you want to capitalize on the like 
media buzz around your sister right now. So it's they've all just been like sucking off her like she's a they're leeches continuously and so and and i wouldn't expect her to be moved on quote unquote because or yet at least like i feel like this will take her forever if ever to get over it well i don't think you'll ever get over it you just have to learn how to live this new life right like all these things happen and that's actually like such a great segue to our episode but um yeah like she just has to kind of learn how to function operate in her new life and lifestyle and this version of like who she wants to be and like who she gets to be now but the family is still there i'm sure behind the scenes there's still a lot of them trying to like take a piece like have some kind of lawsuits against her claiming she owes them who knows i mean for that like me saying that is all just like um speculation but like i just can't imagine it's not she's they'll just stop (laughs) yeah like she's worth millions and that they she was their lifeline for decades now she's not like what are they gonna do they none of them have any talent (laughs) none of them have any skills like they're just pieces of crap really and it's and it's like just from a like human standpoint it's just like so sad because she's at the end of the day wipe away the celebrity she's just like this is just a family that exploited and used their child and then like she screwed them and and harmed them yeah, and she's so clearly broken yeah. over that betrayal. Yeah. Like, I think it's not only so much that she went through it, but also the fact that it was her family that did it to her. And like, I, I the personally that are don't know. To protect you and love you and totally. do what's best for you, have your best interests and and not fuck you over so so much. It's like the most. It's anyways. It was obviously horrible abuse. So it's like. I don't know how you get over that, even as a grown woman with the tools and all of the resources in the world. I don't know how you would move on from that very well. But, I mean, I guess starting a new life, getting married, living for you is a good way to start. Absolutely. And, yeah, and I think she will and I think she can. And, yes, it will take time. But she is, you know, just learning how to be in this new place that she's in, which is great. And, um like I honestly don't think there's like a better segue into our um, episode, honestly. so we're just gonna dive into that. <laughs> Finally, because, we have a good segue. Yeah, like such a, a good lot of segue. The time we don't <laughs> because I do think, and and we obviously don't know Brittany personally, like we've said a bajillion times. But the way I'm trying to relate, <laughs> as if we have this, to say it. Yeah, as if just in case you forgot that we are not, we weren't at the wedding. Shock, shock. Um, but basically. You know, it's a great segue because I think Brittany probably has, well, we know that she's has to and has had to do a lot of healing and who knows if she's in therapy, I assume she would be. Um, But there's just like so many things that she has to like relearn, learn to live with, learn to move forward with and like how to cope and just like learn probably to love herself. Um, Right all over again and you know because I think if it was me I'd be like what did I do to deserve the life that I ended up having like I was a global superstar the what the biggest at the time arguably still one of the biggest ever and yet your life just was so not what you would think it would have been and I think you probably would be like what did I do to deserve this like I'm obviously like 
not worthy. I'm a piece of crap. Like, you know, I didn't work hard enough or I didn't do this. Like, who knows? Like she lost custody of her children. Like there's just so many things. So um, with that being said, we are being joined by Chantal Bazan, who has just launched her third book called Loving Yourself Without Losing Your Cool. She has written two prior, the first being Raising Your Kids Without Losing Your Cool and the second being Parenting Your Teen Without Losing Your Cool. So obviously you guys are seeing the trend there. Um, Her brand is about loving, like without losing your cool. Um, She also has a podcast without losing your cool. Um, So we are like so excited to chat with her because we're going to just sort of talk about what that really means and like how do you get there and how did she get there and like why we fall into these traps especially as women and like why these cycles happen so um I feel like that just relates a lot back to what we're talking about with Brittany um maybe she yeah. should read Chantel's books but um yeah like it's, and we will and we we're will. gonna be reading Chantel's yes. books and we will also be touching base afterwards with Chantel hopefully um but certainly we'll be covering it on the pod and discussing about how it's how it's helped for us because it, it initially when it the title makes it seem like without losing your cool like losing your temper but it's way more than that um and we will delve into that in our episode today but also when we dive deep into uh i guess a book review <laughs> yeah i guess we will be doing a bit of a book review. yeah we, we've done tv and, and movie reviews so why not do a book review which would be fantastic uh that would be our first book review and you'll hear um on the episode coming up that we actually have a few firsts uh, with having Chantel on so it's a really fantastic episode she is so vulnerable and authentic and like just gets into like just what she has gone through which is what led her to writing all of her books um, but specifically her most recent uh, that just released loving yourself without losing your cool and um, yeah she tells us about who she is and uh, enjoy guys Without further ado, welcome Chantel. Welcome to the show, Chantel. Thank you so much for joining us. We are very excited to talk to you today. We have lots of questions. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Uh, just forgive my uh, nasally allergy sound that I've got going. Same. I, I was going to give a, a disclaimer as well. I have to because anyone who regularly listens is be like, oh, where's Jess? <laughs> like, no, I'm here. I'm just sounding like allergy season <laughs> who's standing in for Jess well yeah at least your listeners don't know what I sound like but you know I'm hearing it back in my headset and I'm like oh this is not like, oh. yeah, who's that I feel and like it just apologize. comes with these seasons like I, I, there's quite yeah. a few people that I know right now that are either have like sore throats like cold and it's not COVID it's not COVID, not COVID. it's just your regular <laughs> allergies or colds and I, uh, I, I really feel like it's been dry lately it's been crazy. Yeah. It's been crazy. So anyway, I apologize, but thank you for thank you for having me on. I'm excited to chat with you guys. Yes, thank you. Yeah, and definitely, definitely don't apologize. <laughs> if, if you have to apologize, then I have to apologize 10 times. <laughs> but yeah, why don't we hop in and just why don't you let our listeners know a little bit about you, like all the things. You have <laughs> a lot. You have a lengthy resume. <laughs> yeah, all the things. <laughs> well, to start, I'm a Gemini. I, I mean, I could probably start and end there. <laughs> You know, um, yeah. that, that, explain, that would Goodbye. explain all the things. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. End, of, end of the podcast. Yeah. Um, that would explain a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, I guess the, the best way to describe myself is that I'm 
a person who's very idealistic. I love hard. I play hard. I work hard. Um, I feel hard. Um, I break easy and I have a hard time getting myself put back together. But, um, I, I'm, I, I'm a lover. Like I just, I, I love people. I love our planet. I, you know, I believe the best is in everybody and that it's all possible. And, you know, I'm very romantic and I tend to operate from that place that, you know, and it's not really very conducive for these times. These last couple of years for sure have been difficult. Um, but understatement, it, it all is why I created my lifestyle brand without losing your cool. Because, um, when you feel as big as I feel, and when you have that sort of romantic idealistic notion of people and life and outcomes, it's, you know, you can feel burned a lot and it can, you know, knock, knock the wind out of your sails. So because I'm so sensitive, I had to, I had to develop skills that would enable me to continue to function and not like, you know, spend my life sort of on my knees, <laughs> disappointed or heartbroken or, right. you know? Wow. Good for you. And and I love how, like, I always say this, but the most authentic things come out of, like, a real need. Like, so obviously for you, this is how you're living. You really needed to to create, I guess, a way to, to survive. Survive is so dramatic. Like, I guess I'm going Navigate on, right? life, I think. <laughs> yeah, navigate. Yeah, and I there love your, like, I love your just – upfront positive outlook on life I feel like you don't meet a lot of people that kind of introduce themselves with like I kind of see things from a positive it's a first for us yeah it's a first for (laughs) us um but I I really like that like it really sets a good tone like I feel like energized and positive now oh (laughs) and you know what was really sweet literally when I ask people that every episode uh like tell us about yourself and what do you do whatever Everyone's like, oh, well, I work in this. And I love how you literally started off by saying, I'm a lover, like describing yourself. I'm a Gemini. So, yeah, I'm a Gemini. <laughs> no one has ever like, started like that, actually. Ever. And so I think that needs to be <laughs> pointed out a little bit. Like, that is pretty cute. I think we need well, every guest from now on to tell us their sign first and like a little tidbit about how that works for them. Well, yeah. yeah, you've started a trend, <laughs> Chantal. Yeah. <laughs> well, I like to I like to start trends. I don't like to be behind them. Um, but no, you know, I, I I think it was just you guys kind of opened the door and I walked through it just by what you were saying, like all the things. And I was like, well, I could say all the shitty, boring stuff that I say or other people normally say. I'm an entrepreneur and I do this and that and the other thing. And it's like <laughs> I'm like, but no, the reality is like, well, why am I doing all the things? And I think right, I yeah, and you brought it right back around. Yeah, so. I I started with my why and, and a lot less of yeah. the actual what. So um, It's very open, very authentic. I loved it. Thank uh, you. You're welcome. You're welcome. But yeah, I mean, um, you know, aside from that, you know, it, my bio speaks for itself. I used to split my time between Toronto and Los Angeles. I'm a recovering actress turned author. Um, I have three daughters one is 33, so I'm a grandmother. She gave me my first grandson, and today she was Aww. she was cry, sending crying emojis because he's 10 months and he's got six teeth already. And um, she, oh, wow. she she's oh. like she goes if he starts if he starts sprouting molars, I think I might like just collapse. Um, but <laughs> and then uh, my middle daughter is 31, and then our youngest is 25. Um, I have two dogs. I've been married to Yannick, my husband, who's an actor. We've been together 34 years, married wow. 32. 
That's yeah. amazing. Wow. Yeah. You also so don't hear that a lot. No. You have the best skin ever. You do not look like you're 53. Oh, sorry. Oh. I know you're 53 because you're Instagram. I didn't just, like, say your age there. Oh, I'm... You said it first. No, I don't care. <laughs> I, no, I am 53. I am 53, and you're so, so kind. Um, well, this, this like, literally I takes a village. I started doing Botox probably in my late 30s. Um, I stopped, I know, know. I stopped the, amen. um, amen, amen. (laughs) I stopped with fillers and Botox in October. I'm doing an experiment, a personal, you know, soul experiment, um, about just letting that go in, in a way of like, well, why was I doing it in the first place? And why do I, would I feel the need to continue to do it? And can I live with out doing it so i'm in the middle of a of a, a personal I feel social like that's experiment. a whole episode in itself yeah yeah like so you did it for 20 years and you're stopping to see like emotionally yeah what exactly so i guess I, I was 37 wow. when i first started um but and then you know full transparency and i don't really care who knows this but when i was 49 i i i I start, I was aging like my father. Like I literally would look in the mirror and I'm like, Oh my God, I, 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 there's my dad. And I love my dad, but I don't want to look like my dad seeing as I'm a woman. Um, so in Los, (laughs) yeah, in LA, um, there's this really awesome surgeon, uh, KO aesthetics, KO plastic surgery. Anyway, so I did this procedure that he does called a ponytail lift. So it's not a face lift. It goes through your anyway. So I did that and. So I used to have a chin like my dad from here to here. So that's gone. So I can't take all the credit. Wow. Like some is genes, some is that, but the other is the, yeah. the army in the village that that helped me along. So we're not just going to go with sunscreen then, yeah. right? <laughs> and olive oil. <laughs> but definitely sunscreen. And water, girls. Water. Yeah. I oh. drink a lot of water. <laughs> but honestly, don't forget to do those things. Guys. I do. I do. Some people don't wear sunscreen. Or no, drink I water. Do. I do yeah. all the things. And now, and look at that, I drink like four of these a day. But, um, and now I live with this app called Yucca or Yucca, uh, Y-U-K-A. Yes, yes. I have Did it you too. See? I, yeah, you yeah. have it? Okay. So yeah. I think that also has had a big thing. I've been using it for about three weeks now. So I threw away all the stuff I was that gonna I was going to say, did you throw forge? away everything? I don't know what you know this what is. It's, it's an app that tells you what is, um, I guess, clean enough. So makeup and cleaning products, like everything. So everything. basically go into food. every drawer you have, throw all of the things away, all the food, all the everything you have. Even yeah. your Lysol wipes, throw them out. Oh. <laughs> Download the app like, immediately. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So uh, that was another thing too that I started to do because I, you know, I had done all these things. I spent all this money and I'm like, okay, but my eyes are still puffy. I'm still like, like something's still not gelling. And it's amazing how many of these products that you're putting on your skin, which is your largest organ and you're absorbing yeah. in your bloodstream yeah. that are allergens, that are endocrine yeah. interrupters. Like yeah. they mess with your hormones. And so, um, I, yeah. oh, it's I made, I, yeah, I made a rule that I, three things. One is if it's something that I put on and wash off, I'm not going to throw it away. I'm going to finish it, but replace it with something. Clean. Right. Cause you if really some, would have to throw it all away if you were yeah. going to go by the app. Yeah, likely you would. I'm lucky for me. Yeah, I've been most of it. buying like organic cleaning and foods and stuff for yeah. so long that my foods and my cleaning products were all good. But I was surprised by my expensive like 
shit for my face and hair. Yeah. And um, yeah. so, but anything that I was ingesting or keeping on that was like, I threw that out. Yeah. Right away. I had to throw away all of my, I, I used to buy green products for cleaning, thinking I'm literally doing the right thing. No, they were like six, seven level. I know. And I know. Which is scary, right? So, so I, scary. I, it's very scary. Um, but good for you for doing that. <laughs> so there like you go. We have like 13 episodes yeah, of one seriously. Today. Like, I, don't I mean, know where there's to start. something that you said, Chantel, that I definitely want to touch on because, and maybe this would segue into like some of the things we want to talk about. Maybe not. You can tell me or us. Yeah. But you said you're a recovering actress. Yeah, I wanted to touch on that too. I've never heard that term. So what? So many firsts for yes. us today. Explain. <laughs> well, so I I stepped on stage at age four as a dancer. My mom put me on stage as a dance uh, just to dance, and I fell in love. The first time people clapped for me, I was like, okay, "I have arrived. This is it. This is yes. my calling." Um, so that was it. From then on, that was all I could see. All I thought about was being on stage, performing the whole nine yards. At sixteen, I got picked up at a talent show at school from an agent and a casting agent. And they're like, "Do you want to act?" And I was like. Yes. Obviously. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. So I started acting um, and I had met Yannick, who then became my husband at 15 because he had been doing a movie with a kid that I went to high school with and they were friends because of the movie that they'd been wow. in. And so, but I was dating like, you know, the jock of the school, really cute. Billy, if, you know, if Brad... Pitt and Matt Damon like had a son he looked like that but with Billy oh. Idol hair oh. um so that was like yeah so that was my high school boyfriend and, and Yannick Yannick was like five nine and he was a little gingery and he was barely thin and this guy was jockey athlete anyway I was busy um and then uh we he kept coming around to school and then we auditioned to play boyfriend and girlfriend for commercial at 18 um, we ended up having to kiss. He asked me out and I went home with him two days later and never left. Aww. And here we are today. Oh yeah. That's the um, best story. So Such a high school romance. That's like a very Pete Davidson and Kim Kardashian after they had their kiss, they got together too. <laughs> See? There you go. Yeah. I didn't, I, I, Life I imitating didn't art I there. Have, right? I didn't know I'd have anything in common with her, um, except our plastic surgery. Um, (laughs) (laughs) right. Right. You're basically Um, Kim K. (laughs) The original. Just with blonde hair. Yeah. Yeah. The original since I'm older. Um, and so, you know, we got pregnant really, really quick. We'd been dating for about four months when I was pregnant. Um, cause when you're doing cocaine, you don't remember if you took your Pill or not. Correct. You're pretty sure you did. You're not sure you did. And then you're like, you definitely oh, didn't. I definitely did it. Um, so we were, Yannick was like, oh, well, that's, that's it. Then now you're stuck with me. You've got to marry me. You've got, and I said, I'm not marrying you. I don't even know you. Let's see how this plays out. Let's have the baby and go from there. So we did that and then we got married. And what happened was, you know, as you hear in dual industry relationships, right? Like if somebody gets apart, you try not to be apart for two weeks, more than two weeks. So we had made the decision to go one step further because for some reason, a lot of his projects were shooting in New Zealand and it's just too far to be apart. So, um, every time I had a baby, I, I, it got further and further away from me to get back into acting. And it was, it was really weird because even though he was also in his early twenties and a dad, 
they didn't see him as a dad, but they couldn't get, casting people could not get past the fact that I was a mom, even though I was cheering for the Argos. Like I did not look like a mom. I still looked like a young girl in her twenties, you know? So it was really shitty. So I, also, yeah, it, it's not one yeah. or the other. It's all. All. But, you know, that's we're an going interesting back. thing to talk about. Like, is that still a, like the unfairness when it comes to women and acting? Is that still there? I mean, that's got to be like the most sexist like experience ever. I, like, I, I guess I would never have even thought about that kind of situation because a, I'm not in the industry, but. Yeah, like, I, I kind of don't know what to say about that because it's crazy to me. Is that still, like, do you think that's still kind of the trend? I mean, there's the world is just such a different place now, too. Like, lots of people are parents early on and, you know, dads take uh, mat leave instead of moms and, like, all the things. So I, I don't know if it's an... We have laws to not discriminate against parental leave. <laughs> yeah, also that. Um, but, um, yeah, like, is it you know, an industry kind of norm, I guess. Uh, you know what? I think that, yeah. I mean, that's going back 30 years, but I would, I would venture to guess that, you know, I mean, if you see Danielle Graham just filed a suit against Bell Media, right? Um, claiming discrimination uh, for her role at ETOC. So I, I don't, and Jennifer Valentine posted a few weeks ago about Q107 and her discrimination. So I think, I think, you know, I think on the outside, they really want us to buy into the narrative that discrimination is dead and gone. But I think that given, given free reign, they will always discriminate against us. I think they will, I think happily and gleefully discriminate against women, which is really unfortunate. And it's difficult for me as a mom of three daughters, you know, when you're trying to tell them, you'll just keep going or just believe it and just push forward and give it your all when, you know, in the back of your head, you're like, yeah, but chances are, you know, they're going to, not pick you. They're going to pick a man or they're going to, you know, have different expectations or pick somebody who's not a mom or pick somebody who's of age who might not be a mom. They've already been a mom or they, you know, so it it was difficult. And I think that that's, you know, that's why I say I'm a recovering actress because it, I I was forced into it. It wasn't my wish. (laughs) I wouldn't have given it up. You know, I wouldn't have given it up. So that's terrible. It's too bad. Because it is, does seem like it was a dream of yours, but um, and, and who's to say that yeah. doors close forever? Maybe they'll smarten up and, and have you back, <laughs> which is sad to say. Like, you know, I don't mean it like, oh, maybe they'll have you. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Um, but anyways. No, I get it. Okay, I get thank it. thank you. <laughs> but that did, the good thing with that is it kind of did open the door for you to to pursue other amazing things, right? Like becoming right? an author. Yeah. Having a podcast. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like you see. Yeah. You st- certainly did not step out of the spotlight, we don't think. And uh, I mean, it, you've had, well, uh, part yes. of the reason why we wanted to chat today is because you're on, you've written your third book that's just come out, um, Loving Yourself Without Losing Your Cool, and that follows your other two books. So like, I mean, let's get into that yeah. because one of the things we wanted to understand from you is like, what what is the losing your cool? Like, what? how do we like dis, um, define that? And why is that kind of like the brand that you've gone with? Well, I think like I touched on when we started our chat today, it's like, for me, I'm super A-type personality and I, it comes from 
you know, all the trauma I had in my childhood, which I talk about in this third book, Loving Yourself Without Losing Your Cool. Um, there was so much about my childhood that I couldn't control, you know, from my father's alcoholism, his abusive behavior, his verbal abuse. Like I never knew who was coming through the door. Uh, I never knew if my parents were together or breaking up or was he, you know, was he coming back into our life? Like it was just so tumultuous. And then on top of that, at nine, I started to develop really young and the boys that used to like play out in the field with me, you know, started to sexualize me. And so from nine till I, yeah. So from nine until, um, probably just before 15, I'm trying to think because I started dating that high school guy. I was 14 and then I started to bring him around a lot and used him sort of as a protector. Um, and that's when the, you know, assaults from my step grandfather would stop once that, that boyfriend was around a lot more. But, um, so there was so much that happened and I somehow intuitively had the ability to pull myself back together, you know, and rebuild and keep going. And that's really where the brand came from is that we're all stronger than we think and that no matter what we've endured, we can get through life without losing our cool. And when I say without losing our cool, I mean like giving up or, you know, completely throwing in the towel or believing that it can't get any better. So the brand is not that you're going to not have challenge and trial and difficulty, but that you're going to, and that you're going to be okay. You know, you're going to be able to go, go through it, grow, learn, heal, let go and be wow. cool. Oh, I love it. I love I it. I know. I have goosebumps right now. <laughs> and I mean, like, it's, it's again, your transparency and your authenticity of like talking about your past and everything. I think it's always something that people, I'm, which I'm sure was pretty hard at first for you when you maybe let it out. I don't know, but yeah, maybe there was paper. a lot of therapy and therapy involved before getting to that place but I think I find that yeah lots of therapy and I find that when people are that raw really like allows other people to kind of accept themselves and like feel better about themselves and like feel like they can relate and have sort of this support in numbers because often all these things are buried and hidden and like being women, um, you kind of hide We're them for fear of judgment and, sh- and yeah, fear of judgment, fear of shame. Um, so I do think that when women talk about their experiences, especially with trauma, especially with like sexual, um, uh, traumas, like it just, the more and more it, I, I believe that it's helping so many women, like be able to just like accept it, not like accept it in like a good way, but like accept it and know how to like start moving forward yeah yeah exactly because i think that's an important thing you're not accepting in a good way but you have to accept that it happened otherwise you're still in denial and those are the first steps of grief right so you do have to come to a a position where you acknowledge that it happened um and i'm sure you've had a lot of feedback from your books from people writing to you saying well you let me know if that's true like have people come to you and been like oh this helped me like really accept it and and be able to move on myself yeah I, I mean going back to what you were saying Lauren it's like you know what I talk about a lot in this book is the fact that I didn't know that anything was wrong with what happened you know what I mean like it wasn't until I 
got older and it started to show up in strange ways in my life that, so there was no, there was no way to accept it because I hadn't even, I hadn't even processed that it was something that needed to be healed or let go of or accept, you know what I mean? Like for me, it just was a reality. Like I didn't even realize that it wasn't normal, you know, all the things that I'd gone through. So first I had to acknowledge, so I I don't know, I wouldn't say accept, but I had to acknowledge that it had happened and that, that in its happening, that it wasn't normal. And then through recognizing that it wasn't normal, then I had to get help. And then through getting help, I had to, you know, because I just internalized everything. I was like, oh, well, it's my body's fault because I look the way I look and, oh, it's, I did this and it's because of me and these things wouldn't happen. Um, and then just going to what you were saying that, you know, I think for so far what's happened and I, and, and with people's responses to the book is just that I've gotten a lot of feedback about, um, people saying that they just, had gotten to the point in their life where they had given up. So it's not necessarily related to sexual abuse or sexual trauma, but just that they are, they were at the point where they felt like there was no point. And, and I think these past two years has, ha, ha, you know, mm-hmm. has made that more prevalent for a lot of people. Like I don't think yeah. as many people would have likely had this sort of sense about them, but I feel like a lot of people feel like they're hopeless, you know? So, um, people, so far the feedback has not been like, oh, you know, you're helping me accept that I've been sexually traumatized. And and that's what I harp on in my book a lot is like, this is my trauma, but your trauma could be totally different. And just because it's different trauma doesn't mean it doesn't, it's not weighing on you, you know, and it's not holding you back. Right. So, so that's something that I was really clear about in writing the book. Like you don't need to have to have had sexual trauma for this book to be healing for you and for it to be helpful, you know, and that's the beautiful thing about this book. And that's, and I, and I feel really grateful that that's how people are receiving it because that's how I did want it to be received. I didn't want people who only had suffered sexual trauma to right. feel like, oh, this book's for me. I want it to be for anybody who feels lost or stuck or believes that, you know, because a lot of people just believe they're not worthy, you know. Um, right. No, and absolutely. Especially women. Especially women. And this book is really calling everybody who reads it to dig inside and find their reasons, not what society said, but their reasons for buying into that story that they're not worthy, that they're not lovable, that they're not deserving, you know? I definitely need to get a copy of this. This is something that I talk, I've talked about with uh, my own therapist in the past is, is that core belief? Cause those core beliefs that you're not worthy, like all the things, all the issues that you have mentally usually come back to something so simple as that, that one belief, I'm not worthy. And it manifests in different ways in your life. And well, I'm going to send you guys, I'll send you guys the book and the journal because, and that's, I also created, I I created it to go in tandem with the journal because, you know, it's great to read stuff and it's great to talk about stuff. But I found for me, the correlation of doing the work and actually physically Mm -hmm. connecting to what was coming out of me really is when change really stuck. So the book has a lot of prompting exercises and thought exercises and journaling. Wow. So I created this journal to go with it. So, um, yeah, I'll get the girls to get That's your addresses you. and I'll send it. Yeah. I'd love for you guys to read it and go through it and give me your feedback. 
same. <laughs> well, I also need to get your um your second parenting book because I am in the preteen stages with my youngest son and I was reading a little bit about like I was reading some like stuff from that um the second book and I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> don't know the what. Like, I, I have boys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I have boys. Um, I don't have girls, but I there's just things that are starting to come up yeah. now. Um, that I'm like, okay, like I guess I thought like I'd be like, oh, I got that, and like that's no problem. This will be easy. And now I'm kind of like, I actually don't like necessarily know how to deal with it the right way. Yeah. Like, and I don't know if there is a right way, but like I want to kind of have the best just be as approach I can as possible. Exactly. I think we spend so much time so. weeding through our parents' shit. Um, and I know that speaking yeah. of myself and I, yeah. I can relate to you, Chantel, with like the tumultuous upbringing. Um, it wasn't like so crazy, but it definitely was not stable. And, and I, as a 33 year old woman, I feel that every single day now. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so no, Lauren, it's totally don't fun. fuck I... up those boys. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Lauren's no, amazing. but... <laughs> No, but Lauren, so like this is, this is, and talk about sexism, right? Um, so a, a journalist, um, was interviewing me about my parenting books, but specifically the parenting your teen book. And one of her questions for me is like, well, are your parenting books, like you raise daughters, like what do you know about teen boys? Um, are, are these books good for people who are raising sons? And I said, well, if they're raising a human being, then yes, this book pertains to them because <laughs> the way, the way I parented, I, I'm like, for me, I'm like, so we're trying to raise genderless humans, but we're still stuck in these yeah. gender roles. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like boys and girls should be raised differently. No, boys and girls, if you're raising a human, just raise a good human. And that's what yeah. I said, you know, and that, and I stand by that. And these books, that's exactly what they're about. They're about raising a good human being, not a gender, not a good man, not a good woman. Now, there are specific parts in Parenting Your Team Without Losing Cool where I dress. You know, I address like, okay, if you're raising a son, you got to teach him about consent. You got to teach him about yeah. this. You got to teach him about yeah. that, you know, and, and because those, those typically fall on males, right? Like yeah. you don't see girls out often raping guys, right? Like guys rape women. Or That's sexually assaulting yeah. or like being sexually yeah. inappropriate kind of Especially ever. Yeah. I'm not, I, obviously not ever, but not, yeah. I mean, if you did a ratio, it's much, much well, less. Yeah. Much less. <laughs> Fractional. So, you know, other, you know, other than that, like one chunk of the book, I think that, you know, if we would stop as parents, like I'm raising a boy, I'm raising a girl, and we would just talk about we're raising a human being, then there, there would be none of that conversation. You know what I'm saying? And, and that was another thing too, with, um, both my parenting books was just that, um, you know, I talk about it a lot. It's like, you got to keep it really simple and it's just about being consistent. You know, you just, you consistently have very few rules and you stand by them and you just hold them. You hold the line essentially on like three things that matter to you and your partner. And it's just, you don't sway from that. And it, it actually makes it quite enjoyable when it's got to be structured. So, but yeah, it's and a good book. And I love what you say about not raising a boy or a girl like while they're like you said there's specifics and there are um specific, like details that they each need to be aware of and just like gender role stuff for sure but I think when you say raising a human and raising a good person like 
I feel like everyone needs to just like let that sink in for a second and like maybe repeat it like five times because <laughs> I think if we all led with that sort yeah. of outlook of like raised with kindness and yeah. raised yeah. with um, like love we would be in a better place because yeah. you're right. The automatic go-to is like, well, I have a boy. Well, I have a girl. Like yeah. that, that is like kind of how people approach parenting immediately from the, mo- before you even have given birth, yeah. women start preparing or women and men, their partner, like the, yes. the couple, whatever starts preparing based on if they found out what the gender is or not. And, and that just reinforces that gender might not roles. be I think, right, yeah. and that might not be like, and you and you have all these predisposed like ideas. We already have so many of like, it. Oh, as, as the it boys is. are gonna be crazy. The boys <laughs> are gonna be dirty. The boys are gonna be <laughs> destructive. Oh, the girls. Well, so it's like it is very interesting to like have someone say that because I I kind of haven't really like stopped and just thought about it. I've always said, well, I want my kids to be happy and I want my kids to yeah. be kind and I do want to raise good kids, but it still was always led with, well, I have boys. Yes. Period. But to that point, you know, it's like, I, and I, and I talk about this at nauseum in both my parenting books. It's just like, the other thing that parents need to recognize is to lead with humility and to be willing to be wrong. And when you are wrong and you do fuck up, cause you are, cause you're human, is kit to tell a child at any age that you were wrong and that you're sorry will, last them their entire lifetime and and that was something that I had to do a lot because I'm a type personality so I I'm wound really tight and I'm idealistic so I have these like super crazy expectations um that I hadn't addressed that I hadn't healed because I hadn't done the work on what happened to me with my sexual trauma until I was in my 30s because I didn't even realize that I was weird and fucked up (laughs) because of it you know so it took me so I had dragged my girls through so much of that. And once it came to why, once I realized through therapy and all the work, why I was wired the way I was and why I'd done the things I'd done and said and behaved, I had a lot of apologizing to do. And, and I think that that really is what helped my girls to be like, Oh, okay. I get it. You know what I mean? And not to say that they didn't end up having to go into therapy for themselves because we're, we're human. We fuck them up. We all do. Even, <laughs> yeah. No matter how hard we try not to, right? With the parenting element, you know, so for, with me, for my girls, I just found that that was a big, big thing. And that's why it's a huge theme in both my parenting books. It's just like about humility and just that it will help regain, help you regain your cool as that. a parent. And if it's you're so authentic. interesting as like, like I'm a parent obviously and been one for almost 11 years now and it is and again you've given me another thing to think about it is so challenging to say you were wrong to your child it is like in what context I don't know why well like like, I mean there's stuff or like small stuff too or like all the stuff all the stuff anything if you're wrong you're wrong you're wrong wrong. I think you know if if you know, we maybe we got mad at our one of our children for something. Like we kind of just jumped to conclusions and started like, you know, why did you do this? No, no, no. Just to find out that they didn't, and then you kind of have to like go, oh, okay, I'm I'm sorry for getting mad at you, but like it seems like such a hard thing to do because you're always sort of like, I need to be the authoritarian. I don't need to apologize because I'm the parent. And if I say like, you've done something wrong, you need to listen to me and you need to correct that behavior. But then who puts us in check? 
Because, yeah. like, like you said, we're human and we sometimes fuck up. Yeah. Well, not like sometimes, like a kind of a lot. <laughs> kind of a lot. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's the thing. And 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 for me, that I I really I really had to own it because I I recognized that you know I had done a lot and and. The other thing too is that when we're not willing to step into that role of um, humility and put ourselves on level with our kids, because here's the thing, I'm, I'm totally not that person that thinks every kid should get a medal and every kid should win just for showing up. Agreed. Like, and Absolutely. I talk about it in my books a lot, like that, you know, and, and it, 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 it amazes me that we have a generation of parents who do subscribe to that way of raising kids because the reality is this is the same group of people that have Super Bowl bashes that would blow your socks off because they're so about their sport or, you know, they go to the bar and they watch hot, you know, they're so into their sport. And like, well, how do you think you get an athlete? Like, how do you think you get a professional athlete? How do you think you get an Olympian? Like, how do you think you get somebody who excels at what they do? Well, it's not because they got a ribbon when they sucked at it. It's because they were told it wasn't good enough and they got to try and they got to do it again. So, um, you know, there's, it's really for parents, it's this weird dichotomy because on one hand, you know, we're, we're over here being like, my kid's awesome, the best, the best, the best, the best. They can never suffer. But then on the other hand, we're operating from so much ego, some of us parents, that that ego, we're, we're so focused on our expectation and want for our child that we're not even asking them who they are and what they want and where they want to go. And, you know, that was lucky for me. I didn't, I wasn't the kind of mom either that was like, oh, my kids have to do what I didn't accomplish. Um, you know, I spent a fortune trying to make them doctors and lawyers and they all ended up in the arts. So I did the opposite. I didn't want them. I, I so want, they actually did end up more like you. <laughs> A hundred percent. But it wasn't Try like I was like, here, yeah, yeah. It wasn't like I failed at it, so you're going to go do it for me because it didn't happen for me. And I think a lot of parents get caught in that loop, you know. And it, when you're when you're so fixated in ego, letting that go and and recognizing that, and it's tough, and it was tough for me to do it too, was that, you know, recognizing that it's not going to undermine me as their parent and as the authoritative figure, it's going to create a better bond, a deeper bond, and it's going to create an element of trust because then they're going to be like, okay, my mom, because kids know they're bullshit meter. They know, like they know when you're being an idiot, they know when you don't know what you're talking about. And then it kind of creates this like insecurity within them about like, do, do my parents really know what's going on? You know, <laughs> do they, are, are they really in charge? It kind of humanizes you, right? Yeah. Cause we all totally. have those moments at some point in our life when you kind of realize you're parent isn't a superhero. I remember hero. the exact like not, moment it happened. I remember the exact moment for both my parents and yeah. but really yes, definitely yes. humanizes like them and you're like yeah it was you're like oh yeah they're just like human too and they bleed and they cry yeah. and they hurt and yeah. they make mistakes and they screw up and and yeah it, it, it's a, like it was kind of like for me with my dad when I did the realization um it was later on in life Same. I mean and we say this sort of like very loosely, like of course we know our parents are human. Yeah, I get it. it. Was I know you mean. Kind of just feel like will... it was a night and day thing for me where I operated like almost completely different afterwards because I thought of them as diff. They were not just people; they were my parents. You know, they were like yeah. And I, more. I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, like I just knew that. Like I, what I mean is, like we knew they weren't like 
aliens or like super beings or something but we just you just never see them in like a a state where you're like whoa more of like yeah on our level so different yeah like oh you feel like that too like okay um they're always sort of well in my case it was like you're very much my rock you're like my go-to you've you've always got the answers you you seem to know everything and then you just didn't and it was like whoa what just happened here so like it, it is it's it really does kind of humanize yeah. them and i like now that we're like having this conversation i'm just thinking of things that i'm like i probably should apologize for that so many but things. it's good to like kind of check yourself and have these conversations too so i can when i do get into those situations i might know better and how to respond and be like okay mommy mommy was wrong there and i'm really sorry <laughs> yeah and sometimes mommy's gonna but make mistakes too and like will help you bring yeah. you closer to them and and create that like where it's not you don't want to be up here because then that's so unrelatable and I know for a fact in my teenage years I like separated from them because I'm like oh I can't tell them stuff I can't you know they can't know this stuff because they're up here and they I they weren't on my level in my mind at all and that created a huge distance which I wish I didn't have yeah so I think that all of that is something that I was fortunate enough to avoid because I'd had so much that I felt I needed to apologize for. And I think that that also depends on the parent, right? And, and, and that's why I wrote the books was for parents to understand that it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to own being wrong. And in fact, owning it and letting your kid, acknowledging to your kids, it actually creates in them a lot of relief, you know, because then they're not going to be afraid of screwing up. They're not going to afraid of, be afraid of being wrong or having to say sorry or have to backtrack or have to admit that they blew it. You know what I mean? So it's really about, and it goes back to what I said earlier, it's really about raising a human. And, and, and I say in, in both my books is like, it's not till they're 18. Like this, they're with you forever. Like they're with you yeah. for life until one of you is six feet under and yeah. you got to raise them to the point that you want, you like having them. You like hanging out with them. Cause if you raise an asshole, guess what? Nobody's going to take them off your hands either. You're going to be yeah. stuck, stuck. <laughs> you're going to be stuck, yeah, stuck. They're going to be 45 in your basement. <laughs> They'll be 45. And I, and you know, home. it's so crazy because I see, I see those beginnings in other people's children, not mine, um, <laughs> of being like, oh my God, like you are not going to like this person that you're creating. Like obviously right now you think you're doing the right thing. Yeah. And maybe, and usually it comes from just like over like giving and and just sort of like allowing them to dictate everything. And I'm like, that's going to harm them later in life when they realize that the world does not revolve around them and that's going to knock them down. But what I wanted to ask you on that note is like with the whole – I guess sort of like the motto of loving yourself without losing your cool. Um, when did you realize like you kind of wanted to apologize to your kids or you needed to apologize to your kids? And then you, was that when you kind of came into this sort of like self-love actualization or like how and did was that it like journey start? a giant apology session for a hundred hours or was it like gradual <laughs> like, oh, I should apologize for this and this like as you went? Like did you have an epiphany yeah. or something? <laughs> I think – the, the loving yourself piece came, or I don't think, I know the loving yourself piece came from like, because I hated myself for so much of my life, for too much of my life. And I, and I, I start 
I talk, I talk about it in the book about, you know, like, just like starving myself and been, you know, having bulimia and just, I, the hatred for myself started once sort of the sexualization started to happen, you know, because I couldn't be angry at anybody else and I didn't, couldn't tell anybody else. So I just, I just started to just be angry at me and the way that I was and the way that I looked and that obviously everything was my fault. Um, so, and then from there I thought, and my dad only wanted anything to do with me because he wanted to, to use me. So he was using me as like, anyway, it's all in the book. Um, so my whole life really was spent not even liking myself. Like I would, you know, plastic surgeries and just carving myself up constantly because I thought that that was only where my value lied. Like, like if I didn't look a certain way, if I didn't weigh a certain weight, if I didn't, that, you know, my husband was going to leave and that this was going to happen. And, you know, and there was a few times in, in our young marriage when he did cheat with girls that looked exactly like I didn't look. And I was like, so see there, like, I don't look the way that he really wants Man. me, you know? So validated that yeah, fear. yeah, validated all the fears. And <clears throat> so <clears throat> the loving yourself piece um, came really late in life, like really late. Like I would say probably maybe five years ago, like 47, 48. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, wow. uh, um, and that was like decades, not decades, but yeah, I guess almost 20 years of therapy and, and healing work. And I just realized it was, it's, it's like, I basically woke up one day and I, and I, and I, I said to myself, I was like, well, you've got two choices. You either can spend the rest of your life hating yourself or you can decide because you've come this long hating yourself, which at that point was almost four decades from being nine, or you can figure out how to love yourself exactly as you are. So, wow. So you've kind of had an epiphany one day. You're just, yeah, like, this sucks. Yeah. Yeah. This sucks. Um, I don't, I don't have, I have a beautiful life, you know, um, you know, obviously a hard fought marriage and, you know, beautiful daughters and they're healthy and we're all healthy and we're, you know, we're blessed. He's got a great job and I, I have the luxury of, you know, having my Marina and, and being an entrepreneur and, um, but you know, even having all of that stuff, I, I just didn't love myself. So then I set to the job of falling in love with myself. And that's where this book came from. So, but long before this book, um, there was a lot of apologizing. And I think that the apologizing came from because I was operating from self-hate. Like I, I didn't love myself. So you know, I could only fake it so much with my girls. Like I could only be up for so many days in a row before I would crash, before the shit would hit the fan, you know, and, and, and my true self would be exposed. Right. So there was a lot of apologizing long before, um, falling in love with myself. So the good news is, is that there's a lot less apologizing that needs to happen because I'm not operating I'm not operating from that space anymore. Like I'm now I'm clear and I'm, you know, whole and I totally 
love myself and I am who I am. I, I, I'm going to look the way I look and, you know, I'm obviously going to be responsible and eat well and all the things, but you know, like Kim Kardashian, well, if I had to eat shit to, you know, stay skinny or look young, I would, I'm like, girl, you need to fall in love with yourself. You need my book. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, man. Seriously. Did she so, say that? Is that she like actually a quote? said that I would eat shit if it would make me look young. <laughs> oh my yeah. God. Well, that's I know, terrible. and, and that's yeah, great, great role model for our younger it generations. It is a sad thing to put what, out in the universe because why? Uh, like, what about the fact that you're a law, a lawyer, or what about the fact yeah. that like I watched a couple of episodes of their new show, a mother, and she works so fucking hard doing all these amazing things for herself beyond being a mother as well, but also of course being a mother of four children, which is yeah. insane in the, in itself. And yeah. she would say something like that, and it's like. I, and she's like 40 years old or or however old like 42. older like, wouldn't you say that when you're 20 42. or you know yeah yeah like she has all this sort of like lived knowledge now too right yeah. you've become a mother you've been yeah. through three marriages you've yeah. you know you've kind of conquered everything you built an empire and that's where you're kind of still hanging well, on to but that just kind of shows the trauma yeah, is so yeah. deep rooted exactly like based on what you just said like all what i heard from that is that you've just come into your authentic self like finally and finally. that i don't think there's any more success that someone can have yeah, honestly if you feel good about living authentically and like again if we're going to use kim kardashian as an example like she clearly isn't living authentically in yeah. pretty much any way and it's sad, really. It at is the end sad. Of the day, as glamorous and beautiful as it all looks and seems, like, oh, it's like kind of rotting on the inside, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, that's really where the book came from. And just, you know, going back to what I started with right at the beginning, it's like, I want everyone to be happy. I, I mean, I, I say it at nauseum because I believe it. It's like, we only have one life and, and it's both simultaneously so too short and too long to like live it not the best that you can you know you get your one like I know I'm gonna come back maybe I'll come back as a dog I don't know but <clears throat> but you know for right so now lucky. we could all be so lucky <laughs> I know right but for right now you know this is it this is my time like I and and I I decided that one day that I wasn't going to spend any more time living a half-life and so I got serious about falling in love with myself oh and like what you just said a sentence that like is so to me like really profound because you said simultaneously life is too short and life is too long to live a certain way and I like yes absolutely like how and I do say that all the time too like to people and you know and myself and other situations where it's like life is too short you only get one also like just live your one life the best you can because you don't get a redo. No. Um, but like the no. fact that it's too long and too short is so true because, yeah, it's too long to live miserably. Like 100%. You want, let's say 100%. 80 years on this planet to of hating yourself. I can't even imagine that. Yeah. Because you're not just yeah. hating not yourself it. at that point. Like I'm sure it, it spreads to everything else. It infiltrates all of your relationships, yep. all the other aspects of your life. So it's not just like you have this private moment where you secretly hate yourself. You're becoming like, like that's rotting in you and, and that shows, which is sad. Exactly. <laughs> and that's why I said that, you know, I was always apologizing to my girls because when you, when the core of you is rooted, not in love, 
whether love for yourself or love for others, you can only love people so much from a place where you have no love. You know what I mean? Like yeah, if love doesn't live in you, then where are you drawing your love from? Right? Like, yeah. and I don't want to say it's made up, but it's like, you're, you're pulling it down. It's not coming from inside yeah. because you're not, it doesn't, it doesn't reside there. Not, you know, I mean, I obviously I've always loved my children and I've always loved my husband and the people that I love, but I was only able to give so much love because I didn't have it to give. I didn't even have it for myself. And I also think we are all like actors in a way too in yeah. when you're in those kinds of spaces, right? Like you kind of act out what you think it's supposed to be and how it's supposed to look and what love is supposed to feel like or yeah. what you think like how you should be loved and if you are like coming from a place where you're not whole and you're not authentic and and you or like you haven't dealt with some traumas whatever whatever the situation is obviously everybody's story is different but it's like you kind of just you know play this role in your own life rather than showing up authentically again in and every and, moment. and it in every moment in yeah. every aspect of life so it does it like it really is amazing that you were able to realize that and then change it because yeah. I don't think a lot of people change <laughs> no, it no most people like definitely the change don't is the hardest yeah. part yeah well it, even the realizing it like people I think yes feel safe and comfortable being stagnant and not changing and you know because that takes work to look in yourself look inside and, yeah. and acknowledge and then to go so to go further than to change and then to go further to write a book and help other people change, like <laughs> to help other people girl, change. Girl, you're on a roll. <laughs> don't stop. Yeah, don't stop. I'm sure your daughters appreciate not only the work that you did for yourself, you know, and then which contributed to you raising them, but also now you have this resource that they can look at and read, and I'm sure use. And they yeah. must be so proud too, like. <laughs> To have you yeah. as a mom and just to, like, see you come, like, kind of come into your own in, like, later in life. Like, that's – I don't know if that's something that a lot of children get to experience. Yeah, I wonder, right? I mean, it – for me, I guess my intention has always – because, I it, interestingly enough, I didn't ever think about being a mom. Like, it wasn't – like, I didn't – you know, a lot of kids were, like, playing with dolls, always maternal. And that just was not my thing. Um, even though I became one quite young, obviously same, the universe had, <laughs> had a very different say, plan for me. You became a mother of three <laughs> in your early twenties. Yes. Baby number one was at 19. Um, but so I had decided though, once I was going to be a mom that I was going to do it as, as wholly as I could, you know what I mean? Like I was going to put my whole heart into it and, and, and so, and that included getting here, you know, to the point where, wow, I've spent the bulk of their lives just, I don't want to say being a mess because that has a negative connotation to it, but, but just being unsettled, you know, right. and not being, not residing inside myself and not living within me. Um, so it, it, it'll be interesting to see how we, we go from here. Cause yes, I mean, they know that these things have happened to me, but it should be, it should be interesting to see how we grow up in, in a way. What I mean by that is like, we've always been close and we've always had a great relationship, but I wonder if it's going to spark different 
choices within themselves. You know what I mean? Like rather sure. than, you know, like, like which paths, <laughs> you know? So yeah, totally. it, it, um, yeah, I mean, they, they, it's fun. They all work for the company. They all work for without losing your cool. So, um, I, I figure, you know, well, the youngest works for my Marina, but I figure, well, they're going to be empires that they're going to inherit. So they might as well put some sweat equity into yeah. them. That's amazing. But like, it sounds like though, despite like kind of the, what you describe as quote unquote messy, like, and I know you're not using that, but like, like with their upbringing, it it sounds like though they just, they just loved you for you at all stages. And they kind of went along with the ride and you all are coming out like just better for it too. And I mean, because a lot of kids that go through like, terrible things with their parents and like you know a lot of different traumas and tumultuousness I don't think they're like diving into the family business all the time and well, they may not have as close adults, relationships makes it difficult so, sometimes to spend time or extended sure. time with your family well yeah, which is why I go all the way back to those damn parenting books it's like I honestly think it's because of humility with them of owning my shit and saying I'm sorry and letting them see me human and letting me say that I'm sorry but not just say sorry but like to then be different you know to acknowledge like when to change you know so that they can they can trust that um I I mean what I say you know when I when I say I'm sorry it's not just lip service um, but that I respect them and I want them to know that, you know, I, I get it and I'm going to be different. Amazing. Just like I yeah, want them I to do it with me. Yes, you know, we want our kids to do it too. Yeah. yeah. So, and I think that's really important too, because we, as parents, we often say like, or not as parents, as people will say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Do we really mean it all the time? Like, yeah. no, yeah. And I, that's one thing that I, I put with like, put on my kids too, is like if they keep making the same mistake that they get in trouble for and they just keep saying, I'm sorry, I, I let them know, like, no, you don't get to just say, I'm sorry, and it's fixed because you're you're doing it. So you already know that it's wrong before you do it. And you now, for some reason, think you can just say, I'm sorry, and it goes away. So yeah. I do think that's like a hard lesson for people to learn too, because sorry doesn't fix everything. And you have yeah. to like follow it up with some change. It's, funny it's kind of like an empty threat. When you're young, it's easy to say sorry. And, you know, not change. But then it's when you're older, it's so hard to say sorry because we <laughs> know we so have to change, hard. I guess. <laughs> yeah. We have to truly yeah. be sorry for what like, we've done. It. We learned the meaning of the word. <laughs> you're like, oh. Yeah, way too late in life. So, Chantal, can you tell our <laughs> listeners where they can find all of your books, all of the stuff, your your sites, everything? Okay, so you can find all my stuff at ChantelBisson.com and my mom did me dirty and it's S-H, not C-H, uh, when you're looking for me online. Um, and, you know, also I have, so I've got Raising Your Kids Without Losing Your Cool, I've got Parenting Your Team Without Losing Your Cool, and then this latest book, Loving Yourself Without Losing Your Cool. But I also have a 90-day journal, um, which is just called Loving Yourself uh, Without Losing Your Cool Journal, which is separate than the journal that goes with Loving Yourself, the book. And I have affirmation cards, like daily love notes that you can give to your littles, your tweens and teens, three different box sets. And then the adult ones, which I'm actually, you know, I'm working, I create these things, not just because I want people to buy them. It's not like I'm just like, just trying to make customers, but 
they're the things that really help keep me grounded and focused and centered and, and centered on the things that I want, like joy, peace, love in my life. So when I create the things that I put on my website for sale, they're actually because they're things that in my four decades of healing, um, uh, that have worked, you know, things that have helped me get through tough spots and, and come out on the other side. So, um, all that stuff is on my website. Um, I used to love Twitter. I've left Twitter a couple years ago. So I think I'm mostly on Instagram. Uh, and I say, I think because, cause I'm kind of like, I'm on the fence with Instagram and I'm, I dip my toe a little bit in TikTok, but I'm like, but I don't really have a vibe for TikTok. So Save. just right now, Instagram <laughs> and ChantelBisson.com. That's where you can find me. Amazing. And you have a podcast as well. Oh God. Yeah. Without losing your cool, my podcast. <laughs> you have a lot of things. It's, it's okay. Sometimes we need to be reminded of all of our outlets. <laughs> well, if you go to Instagram, it'll throw you to the without losing your cool Instagram and without losing your cool podcast. And, but ChantelBisson.com has everything. The podcast is even on there too. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> and as always, you can follow us at Herspective underscore on Instagram, like Chantel, we stick to the one channel. Um, but <laughs> this was like, I wish we had endless amounts of time. I feel like we should yeah. have more chats about all sorts of other things. Um, yeah. But this was yeah. so great. And we, you know, we hope people do get one, all of your books, because I mean, I do think like you being so real and raw within all of them can, it's just more relatable. And you just feel like, you know, that person's really trying to help you. Yeah. And Aww. so we're excited to read oh, it all. So excited. And, uh, we'll keep everyone posted. Start. Yeah. Yes, absolutely yes. we will. Thank you. But thank so you so much. much for being on the show. You're welcome. Thank you guys for having me on. I totally, totally loved it. It was a good time. It was a great time. Can't and I'll wait. come back. Just let yeah, me know. Can't wait to do it again. Thanks. Amazing. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.